0: It's time to fan into flame, the gift of God that is in you. In 2023, the journey continues. The leading second tribe gathers again. One dynamic event, two cities, two nations, all for Jesus. Calling all church builders, executive pastors, campus pastors, lead team members, for inspiration, for impartation that we may be found faithful. You're invited to be in the room for Leading Second Camp 2023, February 22nd and 23rd, Salt Lake City, Utah, March 8th, Calgary, Alberta, featuring Brandon and Lindsey Stewart and Larry Bry. Registration is open now, spots are limited. For more information and to register, visit Leading Second Camp. This is The Leading Second Podcast, where we are on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. From the second chair, for the second chair. This is Leading
1: Second.
0: Welcome back to season five of the Leading Second podcast. So excited and honored to have you in this space with us today. We've created this space from the second chair for the second chair uh, to have the conversations that we uh, need to have as leaders in the middle. So if you lead from the middle on your church team, this space is for you. Uh, welcome home today. And hey, today we have a special treat. Uh, I am joined right from the jump uh, by Pastor Larry Bry from Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Say what's up to everybody, LB. How are we doing, Brandon? I love it. When you said leaning from the middle, I just wrote down we're all in the middle of it. We are in the middle of it. <laughs> and you, you never that's graduate true. out of the middle of it, do you? No. No, I've been waiting for it. I will say. I've been waiting for it for like 21 years of ministry and it hasn't happened.
1: Maybe we need to just embrace the middle rather than trying to get out of it. Maybe that's what you're saying.
0: Come on. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. I'm so glad to have you a part Enjoy. of this episode today. And uh, love your voice in our tribe. And uh, we'll just get right to it. LB is joining us right from the beginning today um, because it's a big day of the year for Leading Second. Today is the opening of registration for Leading Second Camp 2023. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. We are excited. Um, So excited for this event. Uh, Of course, we held our first gathering of the Leading Second Tribe uh, just earlier this year, yeah. 2022, it was such an awesome uh, day that we decided to go at it again. And because we're maybe a little bit crazy, not just one location, but two, not yeah. just one nation, but two. Double, t- year two, let's double it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're excited to announce uh, Leading Second Camp 2023, headed your way, Salt Lake City, Utah. Calgary, Alberta, uh, of course, this event is for uh, executive pastors, campus pastors. Basically, if you serve on your church's leadership team, then Leading Second Camp is for you. And LB, you're back with us this year. I told you I didn't want to do this without you.
1: I. It's fun on so many levels. There's so many different levels I can speak to Leading Second Camp. Uh, but I think the first level for me is at a space where you see a friend who's got a dream, And to see you and Lindsay carry that dream for those years, and then to see it kind of give birth, then to see it come to fruition, that was cool for me. Um, It blessed me to see you walk in your blessing. And uh, then then the ripple effect of that, of how it rippled out and affected the hundreds of people that showed up on that day, um, it's just remarkable. And to still hear the stories trickling in from people I talked to about what that day did for them, what it did for their team, what it did for their leaders, it's amazing, but it's very much like having kids. When you have your first one, you don't know the mistakes you made on it until you look back at <laughs> right.
0: it and you get to your second one. Right. So I feel like right. we're having our second kid this year. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's that's well said.
1: And you learn all the mistakes you made on that first one. So you got to come back for the second one because it's going to be double what, what happened last year.
0: Well, I, in the presence of many witnesses here today, I'm calling you our unofficial co-host for the event. You're in this, you've been in this with us from the beginning. I I can't thank you enough for that. And um, we're, I think you'd echo this. We're just excited to yeah. um, pour our hearts out uh, yep. for, for leaders to take the deposit that God has entrusted into us and, and deposit it into a bunch of faithful church leaders that are going to gather
1: well looking, looking back over my twenty years in ministry, and it's hard to say like twenty years I've been I've been doing this thing, um, not all at elevation, the first three were at a church, a little small town in Shelby, North Carolina, where I learned a ton. But I've always longed for an environment of of like minded individuals. Right. And people that had a similar passion and bent to mine. And I think like a lot of the loneliness in ministry happened because I didn't have a tribe to use the word you just used. I didn't mm. have an environment because I had these passions and desires inside of me to lead and to serve and to hold my pastor's arms up. But I looked around and there weren't many that were living out that calling or that vision on their life. So in many ways, I felt like I was in the island of misfit toys a lot of my life. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but but once you meet other people that carry that same spirit as you, it's synergistic. It's, and that, that's what I found in a friendship with you. And that's why we so resonated. But now to see that growing and for people who have that bent to have a place to come, like, oh my goodness, let's go.
0: Absolutely. So here's the deal. Registration is open. Uh, Leadingsecondcamp.com is live with all the details. Uh, One event, uh, two dates, two cities. It's going to be phenomenal. I I pray you'll find yourself there. I pray you'll bring your team. Bring the leadership team of your church. Um, Our pastors will not be there. This is a space for you to receive a charge and to walk in your authority as a second chair leader. We firmly believe second chair is not second class. So we are here to affirm you, send you home, realign, full of the word of God, um, believing that God's going to do something special in that space in your de- in uh, your life. So leadingsecondcamp.com has all your details, and uh, we're excited to see you there. Let's go. I, w- I was
1: talking with a senior pastor a few weeks ago who sent his, some of his team to Leading Second, and the only reason he sent them is I think I guilted him into sending them, if I'm really <laughs> honest with you. and may not be the highest level motivation, but it, it produced some results with it. <laughs> and I was talking with him and he says, he said, LB, thank you for kind of nudging me and forcing me to do that. He w- said it was a gift to myself that I didn't even know I needed mm. because his people came back in a way of serving him in a way and serving the mission in a way that he didn't even realize because his head had been down and he'd been working so hard to survive COVID. He didn't even have a chance to look up and take a deep breath to realize what he needed. And his it's wow. to bring that back for him. So senior Mm. leaders, give yourself a gift and your team a gift and register for them for it. Don't ask them if they want to go, just sign them up for it. And I promise you they will come back multiplied in what you have deposited in in them.
0: Well said. Well said. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a really, really great event. So guilt is a good short term motivator. That's what we're saying. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So for today's episode i'm so excited to have this conversation with you i am yeah. dying to hear what you're going to say on a couple things today today we want to have a conversation on developing a leadership culture love it in your church we're going to kind of reference a a bigger cultural phenomena that we are existing in right now kind of this this quiet quitting culture in our world today? How do those two work together? And we're gonna we're gonna hit that today and just believe that God's gonna use this conversation to give us all a little bit more traction mm-hmm. as we attempt to build the church, build teams, uh, bring leaders uh higher and to the place that God would have them and God could use them uh let's start for just a minute though and talk about this this trend this term it has a few names yep. uh but I think we're all aware of it right now this term quiet quitting you know lb have you seen this it, it's this kind of cultural phenomena that okay I'm gonna stay on my job um, but I'm only gonna do the bare minimum yep you know I I'm not gonna go above and beyond this is kind of believed uh to be a uh response or maybe a a A further thing of the Great Resignation. So maybe maybe a company's understaffed, or you know, maybe people struggle because they're back in the office. They're not work from home anymore, and so it's kind of this quiet rebellion. You know, I'm gonna kind of act my wage. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the bare minimum. I'm not gonna go above and beyond. And ultimately, it's kind of a, a cultural attack on. The value of hard work, yet yeah. in the church we're called to build. Yes, we are. You know, we're called to serve. We're called to lead. We're called to uh, go higher. God's mm-hmm. ways are higher than our ways, and so we're called to go higher. Yet, you know, we see this trend kind of permeating the conversation. Um, quiet, quiet. So, have you seen this? And I guess how are you seeing this show up in conversations in the church right now that sort of thing
1: well i remember when when covid uh first kind of jumped on the scenes and everybody started shutting down and it might have been a conversation i was had with you might have been on a different podcast, because i was talking with some other pastors who were like man my people are mia mm. meaning they're, they're kind of gone so what we're in right now the quiet quitting the great resignation it's the same thing it's just a new expression of what's always been there and I remember when, when COVID first hit and my friend said, hey, they're kind of MIA. I looked at it a little bit different. I said, oh, yeah, they're missing in anxiety. Because mm. when we throw out the term, they're missing in action, meaning where'd they go? What happened to them? Where, where'd all these people go to? And he was using it as a way of saying, well, because this happened, people left. I'm like, man, everybody's world's been flipped upside down. And the weight of just trying to get through life is multiplied by a factor of 100, a 1, 1,000? And so this anxiety level is is increasing and people are running, not because they don't love God. They're just trying to survive. Right. So I think as right. we're in this space of quiet quitting, you took a workforce in a world that everything was reduced down to its its bare minimum. It's Apollo, was it Apollo 13? You got to get the lunar capsule back. <laughs> so we have to yeah. drop everything to the bare minimum because we're just trying to survive. We've been in a world of survival for over two years. Mm. That has a mm. lasting effect. Right. So now I wonder, why are people just trying to do the minimums? It's because that's where we've lived in the last two years. Mm. And so I'm looking at the same thing you're seeing is people who look like, man, I don't want to put in the effort or I don't want, I want to take the easy way. And I think that's definitely part of the of the explanation, but it's not the fullness of it. I think the human heart has been just trying to survive. And whenever you're living in scarcity, always hold on to that. That's what scarcity does. It says, I'm not enough and I don't have enough. And so for us as leaders, we we have to see these as people that are are overwhelmed, not that they don't love God and they don't love the church anymore. So they're lazy now. Not at all. That's that. that's an inaccurate representation of what's going on in our world, I think.
0: Yeah. You know, I personal moment of transparency, Lindsay and I in 2021 had a baby, baby at 40. Hello. Um, but our baby came three months early and it was a it was a traumatic night, a traumatic 48 hours when she was born. And something that took us months to realize, I mean, we saw other people have babies getting on with their lives and we yep. were struggling for months and we couldn't figure it out why. And it it was brought to our attention through a counseling appointment one day. Oh, you're in survival mode. Yes. And what we hadn't realized is that trauma had produced in us kind of this just get to the end of the day. Yes, you know, mentality. Uh, just get to nap time, just get past the feed, just get, you know, and months later, we were actually still in survival mode and we didn't realize it. Yes. And Excellent. that realization was powerful for us because we were then able to start to move forward. Yep. You know, we were able to start to rebuild. And today I would just say the culture of our home is different around that. Yep. Um, because we were able to see it. Yeah. We were able to get eyes on it.
1: And and what you just described is so healthy. How many people live extended seasons of their life stuck in mm. something they don't know what's causing it? Mm. And so you take a person who's angry at age 50, they're not angry at age 50. They've been, it started as disappointment at age 30 that they never knew how to express. And we all live in these places. And what you just did is there's a difference between leaders. We got to learn this. There's a difference between giving an excuse and and gaining understanding.
2: Mm.
1: So the excuse is, well, they're just in survival mode. So let's just let them live in survival mode. That's not what we're saying. Right, right. We want it to give understanding. Oh, that's why I'm acting like that. Or that's why they're responding like that. It gives a fullness to the picture that we understand what's going on behind it, rather than just looking at the behavior of it. What's Mm. because in scarcity, you develop a belief system. Mm. But everybody judges you based upon your behaviors. Mm. Maybe this quiet quitting is more of a belief issue than it is a behavior issue. But all, we don't, I don't see your beliefs. I see your behaviors. Mm. When I see people withdraw, when I see people withhold, do I impugn their character because of their behaviors or do I love them enough to say, wait, now let me come close so I can understand your beliefs. That's a good counselor.
0: Well said. Well said. LB, I think one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation too is to speak to the felt need that so many church leaders have. We, we, we need to build teams yep. like yesterday, yes. you know, um, and we want to develop leaders. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't talked to a single exec pastor, church staff member, you know, in the last two years that that doesn't agree. You know, we need more leaders. Mm-hmm. The problem is calling people to leadership means calling them to a counterculture place. It means calling them to be sacrificial. It means calling them to a place of what oftentimes looks like self-denial. And um, the day in which we are leading, um, that's becoming um, more necessary, but it's also becoming trickier. I guess I just want to remind us that, first of all, uh, the origin of my conviction around this is Matthew chapter 10. If you have been a part of Leading 2nd, for five minutes, you've heard me talk about Matthew chapter 10, but I'm going to take us there again. It it starts with Matthew 10 and 1. Jesus, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. Gave them authority. This is a leadership meeting, a leadership moment. <laughs> the By the way, this is a response to Matthew 9. Jesus seeing the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That just happened. And this is his immediate response of, I... The ministry's got to expand. The ministry's got to go mm-hmm. further here. These disciples have now got to stop just following me, watching me, you know, serving me. They've now got to lead for me, and they've got to now go out and do ministry in my name. So you have Jesus giving them authority to drive out impure spirits. Heal every disease and sickness. First of all, incredible ministry opportunity. Can we just say like, like you're on Jesus team here, you know, pretty, I know we're all on Jesus team, but this is like Jesus actual team and, and pretty, pretty amazing moment. And then like a brilliant leader, Jesus proceeds to give them an orientation here, go here. Don't go there. Do this. Don't do that. You know, if they receive, you do this, if they don't receive, you do that. So he's, he's teaching them. Here's how you drive, you know, the Cadillac that I just gave you the keys to, um, is you're going to walk in my authority, but in the same meeting, in the same moment, you start to see verse 37, whoever loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Okay. That's, that's. New and pretty intense language. Yes, you yes. know, uh, whoever does, whoever loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And then verse thirty-nine, I have just hung so much of my life on this verse. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Same meeting, same moment they were given authority to lead on Jesus team. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to Mm. the Cadillac. Um, It's just going to cost you your life. Are you in? And that to me represents like the essence of leadership, the call to incredible authority and incredible opportunity, but also the call to to self-sacrifice, Yes, the call to self denial. like I'm going to find my life on the other side of Mm -hmm. losing it. I guess maybe I'll let you pick up and talk here for a second because we're trying to kind of address this essence of where does a leadership culture come from? And to me, it doesn't come from lowering the bar so much just to get people into a leadership training room and just to fill the room. No, it calls from actually calling people higher, from calling them to walk in their authority. Would you agree with with that?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Preach. I I was taking notes on what you're doing. I'm going to rip it (laughs) off and re-preach it is what I'm going to do. But but, I, but but you said the word counter uh, counterculture, and I love how Jesus is speaking to something that's counterintuitive. He's talking to his disciples as in using real life examples to say your intuition, your inclination is to actually defer to your parents, to defer to your family. Mm. And I need you to do something that's counterculture, that's counterintuitive. And to, to make a modern example of that, and you referenced it. We're in a world that people have less volunteers than ever before. We do too at Elevation Church, seeing it at all of our locations. And the, the the natural inclination is to say, wait now, let's lower the bar of expectation. And what Jesus is saying is you have to be counter-culture and counterintuitive. Because if you lower the bar in this season, you have watered down the gospel. And you have lowered the bar, not so that people are rising up to it, they're tripping over it. Mm. I think we're more oh. we're more we're more vulnerable right now for ministries to lose their uniqueness than ever before.
2: Because
1: wow. the 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 natural inclination, like, oh my gosh, people are exhausted, they're tired, let's not demand too much from them, let's make it easier for them. So, it used to be a training of substance. And significance now gets reduced down to talking points and bullet points in an email. Mm. And we wonder why six months from now, we've eroded even more of the uniqueness of our ministry. Jesus said, if you want to do this thing, it's going to be counterintuitive. It's got to be counterculture. So leaders, pastors, you got to fight against the human inclination to make it easier. This is not a one-size-fits-all world. And I'm trying to get the leaders in our ministry to understand now is not the time you lower the standards. Now is the time you coach the standards and you actually raise the standards. Yep, yep. It's counterintuitive.
0: Charlotte Gamble at our team church conference this year did a brilliant message on going higher. And she just said this really simple thought. Uh, she said you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. And in in no place in scripture does it say that if we don't like it, he'll bring his ways lower. (laughs) You know, Uh, it's not about bringing his ways lower. It's about calling us higher and the kindness of our God to continue to draw us forward and to call us forward. In fact, I was, you know, even studying up for this conversation a little bit, and I went to Matthew chapter 5, section of the Sermon on the Mount, and you have uh Jesus teaching in verse 41 saying, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go yep. with them two miles. Yep. You know, just, just having this this extra mile uh spirit. You know, one one um commentary I saw on this just referred to the idea that there was a a practice in their day by Roman soldiers that would force citizens to carry their bag for them you know mm-hmm. for 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 a set distance and this was kind of sort of meant to put them in their place you know diminish them kind of remind them who's boss like you're gonna lead second here for me for a second yes. you know sort of a deal i kind of put them in their place and jesus is saying yeah well we'll go two miles with them instead of just one you know ha- have an extra mile spirit even when the situation isn't perfect to and even counter- when the environment isn't perfect you be counter culture
1: I love that, Brandon. That's that's beautiful. And and that's the part where we gotta we gotta sit down and say, what is culture? You know, how have we become like the world? How has yeah. the mindset of the world permeated into the kingdom? And we need to be counter that. Not not to be just antagonistic, no, but to be biblical, to to yeah. to to keep the principle of the gospel preeminent in our lives. Yeah. And there is something, use the word of sacrifice. And self-denial, we often see a picture of self-denial. Maybe it's the pastor who wants to lower the bar, and self-denial means don't lower the bar. Mm. Maybe sacrifice means to sacrifice how you feel other people will see you. So rather than lowering the standard, you raise it up. Talk about self-denial. Talk about sacrifice.
0: Yep. What mistakes— have you seen leaders make when they go to establish a leadership development environment I think we're talking about one right now one yep. is is in my opinion making uh, bringing the bar too low um I think that's a mistake do you see others well, that leaders I, I, make I think it's really easy so if,
1: if we're doing premarital counseling with somebody or marital counseling with somebody I get the husband and the wife and they're using the same word but they get very definitions very different definitions mm. of the same word.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So we think we're actually saying the same thing, but we're not, because there's not a common language. Mm. And one of the hallmarks of a culture is a common language. And if somebody wants to erode the culture, they dilute the language. Wow. And so it's so important in in, in organizations, in churches, that one lane, if we could speak to beliefs and behaviors as well, but in the lane of language... It's easy to put a hundred volunteers, leaders in a room and say, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Is everybody, does everybody like, let's go. And everybody's like nodding their head, like a bobblehead, like I, that's agreement. Agreement is easy. I can make your head nod, but alignment is a hard issue. So I got to create, and something I've been thinking about is to create a continuum of culture ownership. Mm. So the lowest level of culture ownership is to know it. mmm to know it. The next level above that is to embrace it. Actually go along with it. The next level is to defend it. Because it matters to me. Now the highest level is to multiply it. Brilliant. What we will do with a room full of leaders is we will simply teach it in a way that only allows for people to know it. Brandon, i taught college classes on, on uh, the value of uh, vegetables and macronutrients and micronutrients. And I know a lot about that. Do you know how many vegetables I eat in a month? <laughs> Maybe one. <laughs> I know it, but I haven't embraced it. Wow. We have rooms full of leaders that know wow. the culture that have not embraced it, mm. but to defend it and then to multiply it. So we've got to redefine leadership, not around knowing, but leadership has got to be at the defending and the multiplying level being a servant is at the knowing it level and hopefully we grow them to the embracing it where it becomes right. their lifestyle. but it's higher level so i think a language and a common language is so key with dealing with culture
0: i'm sure hoping you copyrighted that because uh, i took some notes over here as well i'm gonna i'm gonna re- repay the stealing the content paper
1: and brandon um you, you and i talked about this a little bit earlier I wrote that back in 2007. Gosh. And what I'm rediscovering in our ministry is I don't have to come up with anything new. I've got to rediscover
0: who we've always been. That's so true. That's so true. And and maybe that's one of the things we're missing in ministry right now. Maybe maybe speak to that for a minute, because I, I feel like... um. Okay. I was just yesterday, I, I was at my home church, got to be there for a weekend at one of our locations. And, um, I mean, I, most of the people I talked to were there under two years. Yep. So, so I'm talking, you know, other than kind of our, our OG crew, you know, our leadership team and all that, just so many people, two years, six months, three months, um we had a first time visitor stay for rooted you know after service it was it was amazing it was yep. awesome you know um and I started thinking none of those people know my church before covid nope oh it's insane to me yes. that you don't know I mean, it's always been a problem. It's always been a problem of, of how do we take people back, you know, in my, my church that's that predates me. It's 40, 50 plus years old, yeah. depending how you do the math. It's it's always been a challenge, but at minimum, how do I take people, you know, before COVID here? Or how do I take people back to the last five, 10 years? I mean, yeah. maybe maybe speak to what that rediscovery process is looking like and, and, and how you're using it with leaders. Because to me, it's just, it's massive issue. With, it, with the fresh growth coming into our churches right now.
1: It is it is a huge issue because you described culture. You just described it. And it's one thing to say what's going to be our volunteer process and how do we get more people to sign up. That's, that's easy. It's really harder. It's much harder to say, now, who do we want people to become? It, it, it's even deeper to say, now, how do they help us become who we've always been? And those things are not mutually exclusive. They don't compete against each other. But when you get into scarcity, you always take it down to a base survival level. Yep. People will never rise up when the standard has been lowered down. And so right now, in, in our, if I use a staffing context at Elevation Church, 70% of our staff know nothing other than COVID Church. Mm. So it is with the volunteer force, I think, across all of our locations. And most of the people listening to this are in a very similar place. So how do I take people back to the original DNA? How do I take them back to version one? How do I pull up my notes from 2007 and contextualize it for 2022? That's the art of leadership. Yep. I've got to know the spirit so I can textualize it to the season. If
0: a leader's listening today and they want to move past just knowing they need more leaders (laughs) to actually doing something about it. Yeah. Um, where do they start? man? Like what's our first step here?
1: I I think it's, it's when you, when you went to the, uh, to Jesus sending out the disciples, he started with what he had. And Mm -hmm. he said, I've got to build what I have to become who we need to be. And so, so the person listening in ministry, scarcity will always tell you what you don't have. Mm. And it will always make you look at the holes that exist. It'll make you look at the the part you don't have. And so rather than, than maximizing what you have, you anguish over what you don't. And so, one, it's got to – do have I taken account for what God has entrusted to my care? I know I want 300 volunteers, and that's what we need. I got 30 Okay. Do I know my 30 and am I investing in them or is the scarcity causing me to give them leftovers? Mm. So we got to start with that. Second part, I think we got to do with that is to now say, how do I create a process and experience? That's a better word, not process an experience where That's people right. have revelation of your vision, not just a hearing of the vision, not just information, but I experience, I make people feel the mission of our ministry. I'm going to teach tonight at one of our campuses our Uptown campus. My whole assignment is to make them feel the vision of 2007, mm. but for 2022 context.
2: Mm.
1: The, if they don't get it, it's not because they're bad people. If they don't get it, it's because I'm a bad teacher.
2: Mm.
1: My favorite teacher ever was my fourth grade teacher. She said, I've never met a bad student. I just hadn't figured out how to teach him yet.
0: Wow. Brilliant.
1: That radical ownership that doesn't blame the people for the quiet quitting, but says, how did I create it? How did I own it? How am I contributing to it? That's a really good leader.
0: Yep. Yep. I'm going to go on the record right now, especially since we're. 30 minutes in here. I'm gonna go on the record and say this matters to me so much. Like this is a big rock for leading second moving forward. We we are going to do everything we can. In fact, we have a couple big things in the works that I'll we'll talk about soon. We got some big things in the works to do to help churches to um not just not just plug the holes where we're where we're leaking, but really build something special when it comes to leadership development culture, systems in our church, experiences, this matters to us. Uh, mm-hmm. This matters to us greatly. I, I And I'm just going on the record and saying our, our ministry is going to do something about this. I love it. Because I, I know that so many feel stuck. And I believe that th- this unlocks something. A leadership culture unlocks something in a church, a second mile spirit in the team. It unlocks something in the team.
1: Yeah, and and I I mentioned this a little bit earlier. When you and I spoke a couple weeks ago talking about Leading Second coming up next year, um, I put down notes. I already knew what I was going to teach on at one of the main stage sessions there. It was exactly what we're talking about today. It wasn't because we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I just, my spirit knew what we needed, not just in Elevation Church, not just for Leading Second, but I really believe in the kingdom right now. Yeah, I believe we're uniquely positioned to speak to this at a level that nobody else can. That's why I'm excited yeah. about leading second camp. You gotta get there. Don't wait till then to get this information. But I love the fact that you're putting it out there like this is a focus for us in this next year.
0: Yeah. And um God's really been dealing with me too, LB, on, you know, are you just trying to build a ministry? Or are you really trying to build the church? And and I I I tried. Cause I feel like I have a good heart toward it, you know, but I really tried to not rush past that question. And, and to me, I, I I'm so desperate right now to see churches fundamentally healthier and stronger in this season. I think than I've ever been in ministry. And so we are going to use every, every resource we have to do this and, and focus on setting leaders free in their expectation around, can I even build a leadership team? It's all in heart and soul. Yes, you can, you know, to see tools get to the ones that want to build with them. And um, we're, we're just committed to it. We're, we're here for it. So uh, what, one other thing I'd, I'd like to say, I'd like to hear you weigh in on. I've heard the expression, you'll never reach or help a culture you criticize. We are not doing this episode today to criticize uh gen z millennials um those who have been brushed by uh a quiet quitting great resignation culture rather we're just shining a light on it today um and and we're shining the light on on the the thought pattern of it and reminding us what the kingdom says but this is not a a critical attack, but but just rather a call higher. Yes, in the word of God and the things of God. Would you agree? Oh my gosh, I think,
1: said, I think you said that so well, Brandon. Um, I've got four kids, and my oldest, he's sixteen, is a junior in high school, and I'm trying to, I, I, I'm trying to teach him how to not just clean his room, but clean the house, and <laughs> uh, and because the the bare minimum is to keep your, your room clean. And he's not doing well at keeping the bare minimum. And in my moments of frustration, I get mad at him because I I think he's not doing the right job, but God convicts me so much. He's like, it's not the followers problem. It's the leader's problem. Mm -hmm. And so God is really, I can't, I can't punish my son for what he's never seen and what he doesn't know. So rather than just tell him what he needs to do, because we're not called to tell our children the way they should go. We're called to train our children in the way they should go. Yep. Yep. Which means as a dad, I need to get in there and clean it with them and show the value of it. And I saw it click about a year ago because when I travel, um, every night before I go to bed, I'm the last one to go to bed. I check all the windows, all the doors, make sure the security <laughs> system is on, and I'm the last one to bed because that's dad's job. Yep, yep. And and I started to think when I travel, I need to speak to his potential rather than just point out his problem. So I said, son, you're the man when dad's not here. Mm. So two nights in a row, I took him around the house. And the first night, I said, Corbin, you're going to watch me walk, do every one of these windows and every one of these doors. And we pray over it. And we're the last one to go to bed the mm. next night. Now I watch you do it, Corbin. And now yep. he does it. So when I left and I traveled, I looked at him and says, all right, dad's gone. You're the man in charge. And he got a little taller. Yep. He let his chest yep. A little bit. Yeah. I feel like we've got to speak to potential way more than point out problems in this season right now. We have to teach people how to rise up, not fall down, and not point at them and yell at them when they fall down. That's what personally I'm believing in my life, but I'm also believing it corporately for our ministries. This is what we need to do.
0: I'm under conviction right now as the new parent of a middle schooler. (laughs) So you're helping me, LB. You're helping me. You're helping me. You're going to call... Call her (laughs) higher. I love it. I love it. I love parenting in this season. Okay. I love your voice. Thank you for this conversation today. I believe it's going to help some. I want to remind our audience today, by the way, we have a site, an area on our site uh, dedicated to the podcast and episode guides. So if this conversation has helped you uh, run through this with your team, I know there's some value here that you can pass on to uh, your team Elby, thank you for adding your voice uh, to the tribe and adding so much value to our world. I'm going to let you have the final word today. Just simply, I I love to hear leaders bleed on this question. What is your greatest prayer for leaders right now, today, in this season?
1: it It is everything we've talked about. It is my heart has been consumed with the person who feels like they're MIA. They're missing in anxiety. They're stuck in that place where they're so overwhelmed. They feel like they've forfeited their future and they're just trying to survive. And they're praying that no one notices them. They're praying that nobody sees the struggle that everybody overlooks it, but their behavior starting to leak a little bit and their behavior starting to crack a little bit. And people are seeing the inconsistencies in their behavior, but they don't understand the struggle that's going on inside. And what happens when we get to that place is people will start to talk about us, but nobody talks to us. Wow. And I see so many leaders sitting in a place of what they hoped would never be exposed is becoming exposed in ways they never wanted it to. Mm. And my challenge to anybody listening to this that's feeling that is what you try to cover, God will always expose. And what you expose, God will always cover. And I want to encourage everybody listening that if you're in that season, expose it. Who can you bring it to? Your senior leader, a coworker, a trusted friend in ministry. But you do not have to struggle in silence. You do not have to suffer in silence. And I see too many people suffering by themselves rather than carrying the burdens in community with others. And so, Brandon, that, that's what's consuming me, because behind this whole thing of quiet, quitting, all this, I think it's all the same symptoms or the same the same disease underneath. It's the erosion of the human heart and the condition of the mm. human heart mm. that doesn't want anybody to see it. People are quietly quitting, not because they don't love God. They're not having the great resignation because they're like flipping the bird to the not at all. Like they're struggling and they're suffering. And rather than deal it in, deal with it in healthy ways, they just retreat back to dysfunctional patterns that they just want to walk away from. And so I love what we're doing here with Leading Second, and we're not going to let people do that.
0: Brilliant. Well said. We'll leave it at that today. Thank you, LB. So loved having you on the podcast today. My pleasure, my friend. So much for joining us today. To find the episode guide, visit our website at leadingsecond.com/podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond, and if you're looking to connect with other second chair leaders, be sure to join us in the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.